All right, all right. You all have a seat now. Whew. All right, we're going to need our Bibles this morning. So if you need a Bible, our, our hosts are uh, willing and ready to grab Bibles for you. Raise your hand if you're going to need a Bible this morning. We're in 1 Peter this morning. Once again, I want to thank my, my mom and Hank for coming and leading us this morning, and Aiden playing drums. Oh, you guys notice that my, my mama ain't from these parts. Um, she's from South Renton. And... Uh, so, um, she's actually from Arkansas, and uh, I have very fond memories. We'd go back almost every summer growing up, and we would do some picking and grinning, and we would, uh, my, my, my grandpa played a little bit of banjo, and we would sit out on the front porch and, and play along. It was, you know, when you're a kid, you don't really realize it, you know, but then when you're not so much a kid, and you look back, you're like, wow, those were special times. So, this morning was very special to <clears throat> I'm working on, yeah, I'm working on, <laughs> I was singing so high the whole time, and so now I'm like, <clears throat> I feel like Pinocchio up here, so I'm trying to, trying to get my voice back down to where it should be and where it normally is, and, uh, but going back to Arkansas, you know, when you're a kid, um, especially when you're an early teen, for me, me, for me personally, the biggest thing you want to do is just, you want to blend in, you don't want to stick out, and so you show up in Arkansas, and everybody's twanging, and you have a Northwest accent. They don't have an accent. When you're there, you have the accent. Um, and so you just start picking up on slang, and so I did as much as I could. I started talking a little country back there, and so um, it reminded me, looking at these songs uh, this morning, um, some of the country slang you pick up. So here are some of the things. I just want to make sure, if you've ever talked to my mom, um, that I want to translate for you. Um, and so here's a, couple, here's a couple of the translations. If she says y'all, which I've thrown out there, that means two or more, okay? Y'all means two or more. If you say all y'all, that means three or more, okay? All right, so pay attention this morning. It's, uh, and if, they, if you ask them to do something, they said, I might could, that may, they might be able to. I might could. So, uh, hey, feel free to pick this thing go up, you know. If your parents in the room, you want to start teaching your kids a foreign language, this is a good one to start. Um, now, this one I used all the time, all the time, as I reckon. Um, that means, um, I guess. Yeah, well, that's next. Uh, fixin', fixin' to means uh, I'm going to do it. Maybe. <laughs> if I get to it, I'm fixin' to. So I'm going to start, I'm going to adopt that one around my house. I'm fixing to. Um, yonder means over there somewhere. Um, holler doesn't mean yelling. That means the deep ravine down in the holler. It's holla, holler, and, you know, anyways. And then the last one, and this is one that can be very misinterpreted uh, a lot. Um, and I got this right off the internet, and we know that everything we read off the internet is correct. That's what Abraham Lincoln said, so I'm sticking to it, okay? Um, bless your heart. 
So let me, uh, give, me, let me, give you, let me give you the real translation. Because bless, your, <laughs> because bless your heart normally means, oh, that's nice. They're like blessing me. Um, no, it doesn't mean. And um, this is what it means. I don't want to hurt your feelings, but you're an idiot. That's, that's, that's pretty much what it means. Um, now I look back and it's like, Mom, how much, you blessed me a lot when I was growing up. Um, so now I know what she was saying to me anyways. So there is a blessing, though. When you say bless your heart, that, that, should, be a, that should be a real good thing, not the thing that I just read, which is horrible. Um, the only time I use the word person, the only time I use the word idiot is when I'm driving for some reason. Anybody else? Okay, let's honest, candid church moment. I'm coming off the stage. I'm turning off my microphone, so now it's not. Bakhtiar, you use that word? Really? Okay. Everybody extend your hands over towards Bakhtiar. <laughs> no. I mean, there's just, there's just something about it when we're behind the steering wheel. And so, uh, anyways. Yeah. So now extend your hands back towards Bob. Um, anyways. So, God, this morning. Whew. God, we thank you that you speak our language. Whatever language we speak this morning in the house, I know we have so many, actually, watching at home and languages in the house, Lord. Just whatever language that we speak, Lord, I thank you that you speak that language to us. And I thank you that you minister to us. And so, Lord, all these songs we sing this morning, yes, we want to bring glory to your name. We ask you to send the light. We thank you that you walk close with us because you are what your word says and what you said which is hard to get our minds around sometimes, but you say that you're our friend. And what a friend we do have in you, Jesus. Lord, thank you for the promises that the circle of our community, of our fellowship, will not be uh, broken. Thank you for the promises that someday uh, we will fly away. Someday we will put our hand in the hand of the man Jesus, who stills the waters, who calms the storms, who, who heals the broken, who fixes legs and arms and elbows, and, and who causes the blind to see and, the, and those who cannot hear to, to hear again. Lord, as we open up your word this morning, we pray that it would go deep in us, that we would understand who you are and we would understand who we are in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we're in 1 Peter. Peter writes this book, this letter to scattered and struggling Christians in the day. He writes it about 30 years after Jesus has ascended into heaven. And that's not very long. Many of them who are reading this letter uh, were there. Many of them had heard, many new believers actually. He's writing it to uh, an area where we're known today as uh, modern-day Turkey. And there are several churches there, and he writes this letter to them to encourage them, to remind them, again, what I just prayed, who their God is, what he has done uh, through his son Jesus, and, and who they are. And he starts off in verses 1 and 2 and just says, hey, you're elected, you're chosen, you're set apart. 
You're called to be followers of Jesus. Here's the amazing thing about the Word of God. It is not just written to a a group of Christians who are struggling and who are scattered 2,000 years ago. It was written to us. Because I think some of us are struggling today. Some of us may feel a little scattered, a little distracted, a little disjointed. And so he writes this letter to remind us today who our God is. He writes this letter for us today to remind us what his son Jesus has done for us and then who we are in him. Some of you need to know this morning that you are chosen. (laughs) And some of you might say, why would he choose me? I've asked that often. And I'm learning to just disregard that question because the fact that is, is that he has chosen me. I don't need to know why except for that he loves me. And that's the same for you. You don't have to answer that question. You might feel unworthy for those of you watching at home. You might feel like, I don't deserve to be chosen. The fact is that you are because he loves you and he sent his son for you. And we're going to celebrate that this morning with communion at the end of our service. The fact that Jesus came to make things right with his Father in heaven um, because he chose us. And he has set us apart. You realize that you are set apart. You're different. The fancy word is sanctified, but I'm not fancy. I don't eat at Applebee's. Okay? If you're a country music fan, you'll get that reference. Anybody get that reference? Okay, I've got a couple of you. Okay, it's fancy-like anyways. So we are chosen, we are set apart, and we're called to follow Jesus. And that's what... Peter's doing here, Peter is changed by the presence of Jesus in his life. We looked at that last week, that Jesus shows up, calls Peter. Peter doesn't feel worthy, but calls him, um, changes his name, and then changes his career on the spot. And so um, sometimes we have plans of our own. Sometimes we think we have everything set, and then Jesus comes in, and he turns our world upside down. And from this side, looking at that, that might seem really scary, but let me just say this. If your creator God comes into your life and says, I want to make a few tweaks, let him. Because he knows better. He knows how you're supposed to work better than you know how you're supposed to work. And so it's that humble position where we put ourselves. And Peter struggled with that. Peter struggled with being in a humble position with Jesus, and we just read those three years that Peter was with Jesus, and you just realize, wow. But we see the transformation of Peter when Jesus restores him, and then when Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit, he's the first one to go out and proclaim the good news and, uh, and shares the first sermon. And how many people? Like 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus the first time. So we're going to pick it up in verses 3 through 5 in Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1. Everybody there? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. That is so good. I just want to encourage you, as a, if you struggle with like, where am I supposed to be reading my Bible right now? Hey, we're studying First Peter, so just keep reading First Peter. Will it challenge you? Yes. <laughs> in fact, I wrote, here's what I wrote down in my notes, because I can't say it without 
reading it. I reckon up yonder there's going to be some buckle-up Sundays, y'all. <laughs> I actually wrote all y'all because there's three or more of you in the room. Yeah, there will be some buckle-up Sundays as we open up the Word of God. It will challenge us because He loves us and He wants us to know how to walk with Him. I mean, the biggest thing I get from most Christians is I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing. (laughs) If we're really not sure what we're supposed to be doing, we need to get into His Word because He'll tell us what we're supposed to be doing. We should be praising Him. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the midst of a crazy world that we find ourselves in, we should be praising Him. And I'll just, you know, these are confessions of a pastor. (laughs) Um, Sometimes that's on the opposite end of where I'm at. When I'm in my struggles, the last thing I usually do is praise him because what is going on in me is I'm not looking up. I'm not looking at the eternal and what his kingdom has. I'm just looking at me. And that's when I struggle is when I just look at me because me is a mess. But in Him, I have all, everything that I need. And that's what I have to remember. That's what you have to remember. Uh, one of my favorite books, and I, just, I show it once in a while. I don't want to just overwhelm you with it. It's a daily devotion. It's one page. My favorite reading. It's one page. Um, April 28th really spoke to me. Uh, Heather and I, were, uh, we read it together when I'm at home in the morning, a few times a week. And... Um, I, I was going to read it to you this morning, but we sang a few extra songs, and it's good. I just encourage you, um, invest in yourself, and uh, buy this book. I don't know how much it is. 15. It's called New Morning Mercies by Paul David Tripp. Um, it's one of the best devotions I've ever read. He's a really clever writer, simple writer, extremely challenging writer, um, and one of the, on April 28th, when, when basically what he talks about is every single day we are uh, joyful and also we grieve. We're happy, we're sad. Every single day we have all these emotions that happen to us as human beings. And, and usually in our grief, our sad, our depressing, our disjointed times is when we are focused on what is temporary. And what he points out in his book is, can we lift our eyes to Him and see that who we worship and who we are in Him is actually eternal? And what we face here is very temporary. And so it was just a great, great reminder. And so where am I putting my focus? Where do I put my hope? Where do I look to? Who do I look to? It's important. <laughs> in His mercy, He has given us new life. And my mom talked about that this morning, and I hope she said that uh, you all know, you all, uh, know him. And uh, Jesus has offered his life, and if you've never, like she said, she was 42. Now, my mom grew up in the church. She'll tell you stories. They didn't have Sunday school classes. They met out under the old oak tree, which sounds like a gospel song, but it's true. Uh, she heard the gospel. She knew. She went to church faithfully, but she knew of her Savior, but she didn't know her Savior. And I remember I was 12, about 12 years old when she started going to church again, and she invited me to go with her. And that's when I was introduced to Jesus when I was 12, 12, 13. And I gave my heart to him about a year later because I didn't know him. It took me a while to get to know him. 
And um, yeah, so like my mama said, don't wait. Give your life to Jesus today and you'll never look back. You'll be like Peter, you won't look back. <laughs> Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, talks about the fact that God has put eternity, this, this idea inside of every single one of us that this is just not it. I mean, there's a few people that say this is it, so go for the gusto. This is all, all that we have. But, I, you know, I've talked to people like that, and then when you really sit down and have an honest conversation with them, they still doubt, like, I wonder if there's something else after this. So the Bible says in Ecclesiastes that God has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. <laughs> but yet no one can fathom what God has done from the very beginning. So God is doing, what He's doing is He's making things beautiful. Now, some of us will never see that complete picture till that side of heaven. Some of you may. Many are saying that Jesus is coming back soon. We're going to talk about that in Peter. I, and I say this often. Jesus can come back anytime He wants. If He comes back right now, I won't have to worry about lunch because I have a banquet table waiting for me in heaven, right? thing is that we need to be ready for Him. And we'll talk about it more in a few chapters when we get to it. <laughs> Verse 3 and 4, again, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. You know, when I think of inheritance, I'm trying to do the best I can with my finances that I have and, and provide an inheritance for... Um, I had a kid, now I have kids. And so I'm working on that. Uh, but usually when we think of inheritance, that's what we think of. We think of this thing right here, right? By the way, this is a, um, I, I, it's a corky pig um, made in 1957. So it's like, oh, like, oh, don't do that, right? Um, I was going through my storage unit the other day, and I found this. Um, it was Gretchen's. She had it. She worked at Allstate in Seattle in 1959, and, um, and so... <laughs> I'm just telling on you, I'll have to buy you lunch later, I guess, okay? So, Gretchen was um, notoriously tardy to work. Um, she was late, and so they gave her this piggy bank, so every day, every day she was late, she had to put money in it. So, I never, but Gretchen, I never followed up with that. How much was it that you put in here? Yeah. A penny? A quarter. In 1959, a quarter bought you how many gallons of gas? Like two gallons? <laughs> Probably two gallons of gas. Tony, how much was gas in 1959? You were, it was 34 cents. So it almost gave you a gas. Yeah, see, see, I knew. You guys thought I was dissing on him, but I knew he knew. That's why I asked him. He was only two years old, but you were a freshman in high school in 1959. Awesome. Um, so she would have put a quarter in here. Gretchen, I didn't even ask you, so when this was full, after like a month, um, <laughs> who, who, who got the quarters? Oh, just, yeah, the, the hit, the, this right here. That's why it's called Corky Pig. Okay. 
By the way, you can buy these on eBay right now for about 25 bucks. Or I'll auction this one off to you for 40 right on the spot. You know, I'll give it back to you. I love it, love it. Actually, I, have a, I'm, I know who I'm going to give it to. He's a young fella. He probably needs to start a savings fund. He's about 10 months old, so we'll give it to him. That would be, uh, be a good thing. So when we think of investments, we normally think of our finances, our, what we have here, what, what's going on here with our finances. But Peter's not talking about this. He's talking about our eternal inheritance. We don't have to focus on, because maybe some of us will never have that. We'll never have the finances here, this side of heaven. Um, and here's the deal. I'm just going to say it. I don't, Jesus doesn't care about how much money you have. Some of us care how much money we have. Jesus doesn't care how much money we have. Jesus doesn't care if you, how many bedrooms you have how many bathrooms you have. He doesn't care if your bathroom's not even finished, which I'm very thankful because I have a bathroom in my house that's not even finished yet. We have one that works. It's great. But we're working on the other one. He doesn't care if you sleep in a doorway. What he cares about is you. And where is your inheritance? Your inheritance isn't in a piggy bank. It's not in a Roth IRA. It's not stacked away somewhere. Your inheritance is in heaven. I told you that I have a storage unit. When I moved out of my house in late December because I had to get out so they could sell it, I gave truckloads away to Value Village. You can go there right now and buy my stuff, okay? And I took truckloads to um, the dumpster right here in the parking lot, actually, um, and then I took this, what I felt was precious and what I needed to hang on to into a storage unit, which I thought I would never have, but I needed to in the moment. And so I moved it into that storage unit. But what I'm finding out, the longer that I've lived without that stuff, what I thought was precious and what I thought I really need that, now I've gone back to that storage unit um, several times and I've done two or three trips back to the thrift store. It's in Goodwill out in Bonnie Lake now, and some of the Goodwill in Ravensdale. So if you want to buy my stuff, you can go, go to those places. Because what I thought was my inheritance, what I really needed was here, and now I look back and I realize I don't really need that stuff. I don't need that stuff because my inheritance is not what I see here. My inheritance is in Him and what He has for me. So then what am I investing in? What am I pouring my life into? Is it my stuff? And so the question then is, where is and what is in my storage unit? I want to read to you in Matthew chapter 6. I'm sure Peter was there when, when Jesus was sharing this story. It was actually the Sermon on the Mount. And Peter is standing there in the crowd listening as Jesus speaks in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves cannot break in and steal. For where your treasure is, 
there your heart will be also. So, again, my question to us this morning then would be is where is our heart? We're saying that our money doesn't go as far as it has gone in the past. Every time I go to Costco, I ha- they're going to have to start putting chairs by the um, cash register areas because I have to sit down for a moment when I see the total. Okay? I mean, every single time, it's like, that costs $200? It's a box with a few items in it, right? Or you go to the store and you, you buy a bag of groceries and instead of costing what it cost, you know, even a year ago, 25 bucks, now it's 40 bucks. Or you fill up your gas tank on the way to church at 6 o'clock a.m. and it costs you 60 bucks. And I have a little small SUV, right? Our money doesn't go as far as we thought it would or what we think it should. But that's not to be our focus. Where is our heart? Is our heart in the inheritance of who we are in Him and what He is doing in our lives? Or is it just in what we see? So important for us to grasp onto those. If we're investing in this earth, it's, uh, <laughs> it's only temporary. There might be some temporary good, but there's also going to be some temporary pain because if we put our hope in our stuff, it will disappoint us for sure. Hmm. Peter is telling us not to look at what is temporary and what is around us, but he's telling us to focus on what is eternal. And the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians tells us to do the same. I'm just going to read. It's a long passage, but it's worth the read this morning just to be reminded. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 18. He's talking about the responsibility that we have about sharing the good news with people and then who we are in Him. And therefore, he says, through God's mercy, we have this ministry. We do not lose heart. Rather, we, are, we renounce the secret and shameful ways, and we do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now, I'm just going to stop there just for a moment because we sang some songs that were saying, God, send the light, send the light. And I don't know about you, but sometimes it's, it, we get frustrated with the people around us. Like, can't you see that God is good? Can't you see that what Jesus has done for you? And what Paul's saying here is they have been blinded. For some reason, God has allowed this veil to happen to people who don't believe. And so our, I believe our responsibility, if we read back just a little bit, is we have been given this ministry to help open the eyes of the spiritually blind and let them know about Jesus. And so how do we do that? Well, we pray. It's a spiritual battle. We need to pray. And when we don't know what else to do, we pray again. But then we have to, what my mama said, we need to 
send the light. We need to be the light in front of people and let the light shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, right? Verse 5. For what we preach is not of ourselves by Jesus, but by Jesus Christ our Lord, and ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made this light shine in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, and not destroyed. We always carry out in our bodies the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also have believed and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for our benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, but inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, and but what is unseen is eternal. That's a huge passage that could take months to preach through just in and of itself. But a couple highlights is Paul tells us not to lose heart. It may be grim, but we are being renewed every single day in him. No matter what we're facing compared to eternity, it is light and momentary. And now this is Paul talking who have been through multiple shipwrecks, beaten for his faith, imprisoned for his faith. And Paul himself says, oh, this is just light stuff. It's just momentary because he is fixing his eyes on Jesus and he is putting his inheritance in, in eternity because he knows that's where his inheritance is. Our inheritance is not found this side of heaven. Our inheritance is eternal. Our future is protected according to, when, if we're back in First Peter, it says our future is protected and one day we will see him face to face. You know, it's funny that some, one of the one, things I hear a lot as well is, I have a whole list of questions to ask Jesus. Don't raise your hand if you've ever said that, because it would probably be most of us. But here's what I believe. I believe that when we see him face to face, my list won't matter. It won't matter, because we will be complete in him, and we won't need to know that stuff. We'll just know. And maybe some of us this morning need to have that perspective. Maybe some of us have that list and we're ready. Jesus, I need you to answer me this list. But what I pray is that even this morning that you'd have a little touch of some face-to-face time with him and that he would give you perspective from where you're at and what you're going through. We sang about it a bunch this morning. He saved us, so glory to his name, amen.
He has sent the light. We are leaning on the everlasting arms of the Father. We do have a friend in Jesus. He is not a distant God, but He walks closely with us. And someday, we will fly away from all of this. Amen? I'd like for you to take your communion cups this morning. <laughs> I grabbed my communion cup this morning, and uh, so these are newer ones. And um, anybody need a communion cup, we have, we have them in the back. We'd love to get you one if you need one. Okay. See, our host did such a phenomenal job. Everybody has one. I looked at my communion cup this morning, and uh, I don't always get to do communion if it's during worship, if I'm up here, so I'm really excited to, to do it this morning, and then I realized mine doesn't have the bread in it. So somebody, like, was sneaking the bread. No. But then I, was, I said it out loud, like, hey, wait a minute. Mine doesn't have the bread in it. And then Jan was like, well, last month mine had two in it. So she got the double portion last month. I'm just going to remember what Jesus has done for me. So, you know, Jesus was having a meal with the Passover meal with his disciples. Just hours. It's important for us to capture what is going on in the Word. You know, we take this communion sometimes and we're like, oh yeah, this is the body of Jesus and represents the body and this represents the blood. And, and we do this and then we go home. But literally hours after Jesus had this discussion with his disciples, he was arrested. And in less than 24 hours, Jesus was gone from this earth. And he was brutally beaten. And why? For you. So you wouldn't have to. And so you would have life with your Father in heaven. No other friend that I have would ever do that. That's why we can say what a friend we have in Jesus. And so he talks to his disciples and he says, when you eat bread, this bread of the Passover meal, I want you to remember what, I, what I'm doing for you. They didn't quite get it. It wasn't until after Jesus rose from the dead and they're like, oh, that's what he did for me. And when he said, this is my blood that will be poured out not just dripped out in a couple, but will be poured out for you. I want you to remember, this helps me, and I hope it helps you, take our eyes off what is temporary and to look at what is eternal. Because Jesus did this for you. He allowed himself to be broken, and he allowed himself to, to bleed out for us. So I'm going to ask Ken to put on some soft music, and um, I, I mean, sometimes communion for me is a celebration, and I can hoot and holler about communion, and I get excited, but there's sometimes also where it's kind of a solitude time, it's, it's a contemplative time to remember, because sometimes we just lose our focus. Maybe we focus way too much on what is right here in front of us. And yeah, are we supposed to focus on the people that God brings in our lives? Absolutely. Love them like they've never been loved. Care for them, serve them. Laugh with them. 
But even as awesome as they are, they don't and won't do what Jesus has done for you. Only Jesus can restore that relationship with his Father in heaven and promise that we have an inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade. That our eternity is set in him and what he's done for us. Our eternity isn't what you've done. Our eternity is on what he has done. So as you just take a moment to Take the bread as you take a moment to, to drink the juice that represents the blood that was spilt. <laughs> and you know, we sang this song this morning, Are You Washed in the Blood? Have you said yes to Jesus? That's what that song is talking about. Have you said yes to Jesus? If you never have, today would be an awesome Sunday to say yes. May 1st. So take a moment. <laughs> Thank you, sir. God, your presence is so good to us. like you to stand with me if you would this morning as we wrap so where's your heart today are we allowing the things of this world to control us to, are we searching for our joy and our happiness and what we just see are we allowing sadness anger and discouragement to overtake us because we've lost our focus I want to read to you the same passage, 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5, but I want to read it to you in the Message Bible this morning. What a God we have, and how fortunate we are to have Him. This Father of our Master Jesus, because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. God is keeping careful watch over us and the future. The day is coming when you'll have it all. Life healed and life whole. So Jesus, this morning, thank you so much for all that you've done for us. You are our Lord and Savior, and at the same time, you... You say we're your friends. So we serve you, Lord, with all our hearts. And we take heed to what you said, to love with all our hearts, soul, mind, and strength, to love you with all of, all of who we are. But we also take heed to say, yeah, we're supposed to love one another as well. God, help us to fix our eyes on you. Help us to invest in the eternal and not the temporary. 
If you're never feeling discouraged this morning, Jesus, I pray that you would walk right alongside them. If anyone needs healed this morning, Jesus, that you would be their healer. If anyone needs rescued and saved this morning, Lord, that you would be their rescuer, that you would be their savior this morning. Jesus, we look to you in all that we do. God, I pray this week that our eyes would be open to what you have for us. God, not just, and not just for us, but God, for those that you bring into our paths and into our lives, God. <laughs> Help us to love the way you love, Jesus. Help us to care the way you care for people. Lord, we lift up those who are struggling with depression this morning. God, only you can bring your light and shine. And so we pray you would bring your light and you would shine bright. God, I pray that they would hear your voice this week. I pray that something would change. That you bring light again. Just bring light. Bring your light. God, I pray that for those who feel far off and distant from you, even right now as I pray, that beginning right now, they would have a closer walk with you. It won't take weeks, it won't take months, but it can happen just like that right now. Have a conversation with your Savior and ask Him. Just simply, God, I want to be close to you. So Lord, speak to our hearts this week. Lord, God, draw us close, draw us near. Heal those places in us that, that only you know. And we look forward to that day that we do fly away and see you face to face. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Well, if you want to see a banjo up close and personal, I'm sure Hank would be glad to show you. You might be able to strum G, okay? All right. Well, God bless you. Uh, we'll see you next Sunday.